progressive voices and civil dialogue across the political divide. This is Ed Fallon, your host. We're coming to you from the heart of America's heartland, where it's 64 degrees today on November 30th. Go figure. That's right. We're coming to you from Des Moines, Iowa. If you value what we do, folks, we need your support. Visit the donations page on the Fallon Forum website to help keep this program rolling forward. If you run a business, a nonprofit, a local labor union, consider becoming a sponsor of the program. Speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my grocery store. It's also Des Moines, uh, one of Des Moines' best specialty food stores. They got a cafe as well. It's open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. You can order groceries online, and Gateway also has floral and catering services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in both English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. Today, my guest is uh, Charlie Wishman. He's the head of the Iowa Federation of Labor. Charlie, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Ed. Yeah, he's joining me in the studio here to discuss some of the success, the encouraging success that we've seen uh, for working people through the uh, labor movement. And if you want to join the conversation, text us at 515-519-6323. We'll call you right back and put you on the program as soon as we can. Again, that's 515-519-6323. If you're listening on our radio stations or uh, to the podcast, Again, the live-in program is every Monday at 4 o'clock Central Time on the Fallon Forum website. All right, Charlie, so, um, you know, just an overview of the labor movement. Uh, there's a lot of sense that, well, you know, labor, labor unions have been struggling in recent decades. And now there seems to be a comeback, a, a resurgence of interest, um, a, a number of successes that are very encouraging. I mean, one was about, let's see, what was it, three years ago, the teacher's strike. And that uh, spread from, I think, West Virginia to a whole bunch of states and had significant uh, accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, clearly the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic laid bare so many issues that workers had been dealing with. And I believe that there is a worker uprising going on uh, in this country right now. But it, it's missing the, the picture if you just say that it just started with the COVID-19 pandemic, right. because yep. I think you're right. If you go back to 2018, you're looking at states like West Virginia, Oklahoma, uh, places like that. Red that, states. That, exactly, where, mm -hmm. where you're not expecting teachers to rise up and ask for better pay, better working conditions, but not just that, um, better uh, workplaces and uh, better, uh, or better funding for for their students, so it, yeah, I mean right, that right. that kind of did kick things off there, um, but it hasn't stopped. And like I said, um, I think that the the pandemic really kicked it into overdrive. Mm. And so, what? Now, how many? That uh, I think again, that uh, education revolution, let's call it, that started in West Virginia, spread to what about six or seven states, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it, it most certainly has. Um, and unfortunately, here in Iowa, um, we, we seem to be going backwards when it comes to education, not in terms of the, the quality of our teachers. I, I, I think right. we still have really, really great educators in this state. Um, but the way that public education has been under, underfunded for a decade, 
Um, but even beyond that, um, especially now when you're hearing about um, uh, very right-wing politicians wanting to uh, jail teachers for uh, <laughs> or, for uh, for actually, you or, know, or, or disbar our uh, the the. Uh, the superintendent of the largest school district in Iowa, which is also the highest highest percentage of minority students. Well, right, and yeah. The, the, because because he stood up for what he felt, and his board and students felt needed to happen. Right, yeah. absolutely. And um, you know, wearing masks is is not something I I, I understand as being uh, such a huge deal. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe it's because my my kids have worn masks throughout the entire pandemic, and it never really bothered them one way or the other. Um, and I certainly understand that there's, you know, some some kids who have educational issues um, when it comes to learning with masks. But uh, to to say that this is somehow impinging on people's freedom is just uh, bizarre and beyond me. Yeah. Um, and to go after somebody's teaching license for that <laughs> right. um, is is outrageous. Someone who's got their hands full with a very challenging district. Right. Uh, so beyond beyond the education profession, we're seeing right now. A significant um, effort within Amazon among Amazon workers to unionize. I mean, there was uh, last year, I believe, a again red state Alabama prominent effort at a work at a um, warehouse, I believe, in I, I can't remember the name of the Gossamer. city, Gossamer, Alabama, uh, that did not succeed. But that has not deterred people from pushing really hard in other Amazon uh, workplaces, including a very aggressive drive in New York City. Right, and, and it's not just in New York City. Even here in Iowa, um, you had um, uh, Teamsters 238 hmm. uh, to take on something uh, that was uh, delivery service providers. And, and part of the issue there is that Amazon will go ahead and, you know, uh, call these folks independent contractors and things like that uh, to avoid... Um, things like unionization mm. but also they don't right. want to pay work comp on people they don't want to pay unemployment but when it comes to what happened in bessemer so many of the i'm going to be flat out and just call them the dirty tricks that they are um uh, so many of the things that happened uh in that organizing drive um and, and i think it failed if uh because uh, there were a lot of unfair labor practices that amazon committed and right now, the way that uh, labor law is structured, um, the NLRB... That's the and, National Labor Relations Board. Right, the National Labor right. Relations Board um, is not going to fine, and especially the, the board that was in place under uh, President Trump, was not going to uh, follow through and fine Amazon for, for major violations. That, that's funny because uh, Donald Trump and Jeff Bezos are not the best of buddies. No, you think he would have? Uh, you think he would have been happy to stack the NLRB with people who you know might might tweak uh, Bezos, might actually support, and you know, and a lot of Trump's base are union members, working people. I found that it was very you know? interesting too, um, and, and I know that we, we might talk about uh, the John Deere strike coming up here. Yeah. But one of the few polls that I still trust is the is the Des Moines Register poll. And it was startling to me in some ways, but also really not too surprising once you think about it, when you saw that 49% of Republicans were backing the strikers over the company. I don't know that that would have been the case maybe five years ago or definitely not 10 years mm. ago. Yeah, that's, that's encouraging. So um, again, 
Anyway, Amazon, I, I don't know whether they're going to continue to be able to resist workers' efforts to unionize. Um, I mean, what happens in New York will be very instructive. And we'll see again how the new membership of the National uh, Labor Relations Board responds. Uh, again, it's not just Amazon. We're seeing a big push right now uh, with Starbucks. Right. <laughs> so again, here's another company that is... That's in Buffalo, New York, I think. Yep, there's yeah. several uh, places in Buffalo that... Um, uh, are uh, several locations in Buffalo that uh, are Starbucks locations and they are the employees there are, are attempting to unionize and again here is a company that is committing unfair labor practices but beyond unfair labor practices a lot of the things that are happening in not just in that but what happened in Amazon could be corrected by something called the excuse me, uh, Protect the Right to Organize, or the PRO Act. Um, Where would that have to come from Congress? Right. And so the PRO Act right now is, like most good legislation, uh, is being held up in the United States Senate. Um, because <laughs> Let me guess, so there are a couple Democrats uh, that, are, that, are, that are preventing it from going forward? Uh, as long as, uh, well, <laughs> I will say that this. Um, as one person put it to me earlier this year, you know, if there are 51 people in Congress that really want to get something done, mm. they can get something done. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we do have this filibuster uh, yeah. issue, yeah. and right now that is uh, preventing us from voting rights, if getting was, that yeah, right. If, and, if, and, if it was possible to come up with a more undemocratic, uh, you know, con tool, I, I can't think what it would be. The filibuster is, is so ridiculous in terms of if you if you if you believe that democracy the, the vote of the majority should work I yeah. couldn't agree more yeah hey, uh, so Starbucks uh, I, you know again folks if you want to join the conversation 515-519-6323 text us we'll call you right back talking with Charlie Wishman the head of the Iowa Federation of Labor we've been taking a look at the uh, success of the teachers strike a couple years ago uh, the current strike of Amazon workers and also uh, Starbucks that one's going Full guns, I guess, in, uh, in Buffalo. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Let's go to our phone lines and welcome uh, Jay to the program. Hello, uh, Jay, how you doing? I am doing great. How are you doing, Ed? Good. What's on your mind? Well, and I can maybe offer a, a little bit of um, perspective from the conservative standpoint on, uh, on unions. And uh, I, I think you'll be fairly shocked um, I, I think um, you'll find most conservatives are not anti-unions. Um, it just seems like most unions are anti-conservatives. Could you explain uh, that a bit more? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and let me give you my perspective on, on unions first, and, and I think it's fairly common among conservatives, um, but I think there's a necessity for unions. Uh, I think whenever, whenever a company becomes too large, to be able to have a personal relationship, an owner is able to have a personal relationship with those employees, uh, there's a disconnect. And I think that's at the point where a company does need to have a union, where that way there, there is a, a, an aspect that unions can, or that members of a union can have some input on the company. And uh, plus that uh, when a company becomes so large, there's a way to, it seems like employees get lost in the mix. 
And so there's a necessity for unions, especially in the larger companies. Charlie, a response? No, I, I, I completely with, uh, agree with you. Um, and I think... And, and I, uh, you, know, you know, earlier you were talking about the pandemic. And the, one of the things that pandemic has done is, is and, and even though the Trump, but before the pandemic, is rate, uh, wages were rising dramatically. And I think with larger companies, and it, especially probably in the case of John Deere, is the wages of these larger companies were not keeping pace with what the real world was happening with. And I think there's, that's why there's a necessity for the strike. And I think you'll find most conservatives feel the same about that. No, I, I appreciate the comments, and I and I, I again I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think that a lot of workers right now, whether they are conservative or independent or moderate or liberal, however you want to put it, they're they're realizing that uh, trickle down doesn't necessarily work, and uh, at least in the sense that um, the profits of the company are not trickling down towards. Uh, uh, Toward, towards the workers who are actually creating the wealth for these companies. Um, oh, and yeah. I, think I that, completely agree. I, I agree. And I ah. think that you saw the the enormous profit. Again, you mentioned Deer. Uh, but it's not just Deer, especially when we're talking about Amazon. There's there's so many companies where you see enormous profits, and not just the, the enormous profits, but you see the enormous uh, CEO pay. Yeah, how, how, uh, much is, how much is Howard pay. Schultz worth, the, uh, the former, the founder and uh, chief executive officer of Starbucks. What, what's he worth? I couldn't even tell you. Um, <laughs> an, an enormous amount uh, more. I mean, so probably when I was born around, you know, uh, at the beginning of the Reagan years, I was born in 1980, right? Um, so the the CEO to worker pay was about 40 to 1. Now it's closer probably to like 400 to 1. Uh, so we're really dealing with a, a large amount of income inequality and I think that there's collective bargaining as a way to get at income inequality in a different way than just concentrating on the tax code and I think that's probably something you and I might be able to agree and on. Let me and let me add something on my perspective on the, the proper relationship between a company and a union should be and, and if you really think about what a union is a union is essentially selling its labor to a company and they, they negotiate a contract in order to agree upon that. And the union doesn't always agree with the contract that the company offers and the company doesn't always agree with the, with the, with what the union offers. And that's where you end up with, you know, the strikes and the, et cetera, that we see publicly. And if you, we really think prospectively, you know, unions are essentially nothing more than a company that's providing labor to a, a company. Some something like selling a widget to, <laughs> if I sold a widget to another company, yeah. I have to negotiate a price of what that is, and uh, that's essentially what how I see it as a conservative. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I I guess I look at it a little bit different in in that, yeah. um, you know, I, I do look at the union as a collective a collective of workers um, rather right, than right. Um, I really don't. I really don't like the business model of of unions as businesses, but I I, I do understand the concept that you're getting at right. there. Jay, I really appreciate yeah, the phone call. Can I add one more? Sure. Thing really quick, because yes. I know you were early, and I'll just give you a perspective. My wife is a a, t a school teacher, and she is a member of the union, and yeah. I have been a member of a union in the past at one time. And uh, even though I'm a political animal and I run political campaigns all over the country. On the on on the Republican side, uh, so 
you know, I hope you don't throw the rocks at me, but uh, <laughs> not at all. No, no, but, uh, no rocks. It would just damage our equipment. We may disagree on a lot of things, but I still have a lot of respect and love for you. And I think you're a great man, but I did want to add one other really quick thing. And, and I think the only problems I think that conservatives and, and even Republicans have, um, and conservatives and Republicans are very much different things, um, is that um, it, it, they would love to see unions be a lot more transparent. And even you know lately with what we've seen with some of the corruption in the AFL-CIO, and the number of people going to jail, I mean, those are the things that concern us. And that's what gives, I think, unions a bad image. But I think most people would consider unions, if they weren't be so politically charged and so politically biased, I think there was an open door there for unions. Jay, thank you uh, so much for your phone call. I appreciate it. I, I, You're welcome. I, I do need to respond just uh, I, let, as far as the AFL-CIO, there's and been let, no one going to prison. Let, 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 me, let me do that. Let me just okay. take a, a second here to remind people, if you want to join the conversation, text us at 515-519-6323. That's 515-519-6323. You can uh, support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly sponsor of the program, folks. Uh, check out the Fallon Forum website or contact me directly at ed at fallinform.com. And thanks to the uh, current local businesses that help support this program, including uh, Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. She takes care of our cat, sometimes our chickens. Thank you, Kim. You can check out her business on Facebook at the Story County Veterinary Clinic's page. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Owner Mark Klipsham knows we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. That's Architecture by Synthesis. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. All right, welcome to the program again, folks. If you're just tuning in, we're taking calls. Uh, there's a note on how to do that on the live stream. If you're listening on our, on our radio stations, thank you. This uh, program is pre-recorded. You can always join the live program every Monday at 4 o'clock on the Fallon Forum Facebook page. That's 4 Central Time. My guest today, Charlie Wishman, the head of the Iowa Federation of Labor. And yes, Charlie, your response to our last caller's concerns about the politiz politization of the Iowa Fed or the Federation of Labor. Yeah, all, all I wanted to say was he, he was talking about corruption within the AFL-CIO. And um, as far as I'm aware of, um, at least in, uh, I've been with the Iowa Federation of Labor for 10 years. Um, 
uh, at the AFL-CIO, there hasn't been anybody who's faced criminal charges or gotten out. Maybe within unions that belong, uh, there may have been uh, there may have been folks who are uh, who have committed crimes um, and fully support them being held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, here in Iowa, um, heck, uh, for all of our delegates for. Uh, for our convention every year, I put our finances out. I put um, I put the minutes of every single meeting out. We are as transparent as um, you possibly could get. If, if anybody wanted to walk in our door and look at our books, happy to show you. We got nothing to hide. <laughs> and if you have nothing better to do, then you've got that option. Well, I got plenty to do. <laughs> no, but, you do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can think of a lot of things I'd rather do than pour through any organization's books. Um, so one, just to follow up on that, I think one concern I hear from some of my Republican friends mm -hmm. is that while well, the, the unions are just solidly behind Democratic candidates, they never endorse or support Republican candidates. What, what about that criticism? So first of all, I would say that uh, there are some unions that do support Republican candidates. Um, however, I, I can speak for the, my organization that I represent. And the organization that I represent, we have a convention every year. Mm. Uh, that, and it is made up of all of the locals that belong to the Iowa Federation of Labor. We are a coalition organization. So it's everyone from letter carriers to steel workers to on and mm. on and on, right? Okay. Uh, and they come together and they vote on endorsements. Um, uh, I'm, it's not me sitting around saying, boy, I like Democrats better. Uh, let's endorse them. It's, right. uh, and there's a couple of things that go into it. There's a, uh, there's a questionnaire. There's a, a candidate academy where pe folks need to learn some more about labor issues. That's something that we've added in the last, uh, uh, in the last election cycle. Um, and part of the problem is that uh, Republicans don't participate. So... Um, I would love for them to um, participate and in our in our endorsement process. Uh, it's kind of like the lottery; you can't win if you don't play, right? <laughs> or as I like to say, uh, regarding the lottery, if you if you don't play, you can't lose. But that's a different that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm hey, not, uh, I, don't, I don't gamble. Either, so. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about um, the John Deere strike as well, but I want to go to our phone lines again. Um, Let's see, we've got uh, Jesse from uh, Des Moines on the phone. Hello, Jesse. Uh, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for letting me uh, chime in. Sure. What's on your mind? Yeah, no, I, I wanted to say a couple things um, from, from my own perspective, coming from like a poor uh, working class type of family and everything. Uh, I actually migrated up to, to Des Moines about five or six years back from the south. So got a little bit of a culture shock, but <laughs> I realized that things are much different uh <laughs> on different areas you know you still have the working class really just struggling to survive and i noticed that a lot up here i thought i thought things were a lot better but but no it's pretty much the same and i, I kind of wanted to reiterate that that this isn't a partisan issue at all um i really like that you had the, the guest on earlier that was talking about the, his republican perspective i just think that's really important it's when you when you when you when you uh polarize the issue and you it's you create a by bipartisan argument or a, a partisan argument it's 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 really bad for the cause i think but i do have a question um and and i'm coming at this from a perspective of, of retail and 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 underrepresented uh groups in um 
traditional end unions so far, uh, where where do they turn? Because it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of options out there for people so far. Um, there are in certain fields, uh, if you want to get into labor unions, you know, certain industries, but just for the average person who's working more than 40 hours a week and doesn't make enough to survive on their own, where, where what can they do and where can they turn? Well, I, I would say that um, you, first of all, there, there's nothing stopping you from organizing and there's nothing stopping you from uh, uh, joining a, or, or, or trying to form a union in your workplace. And if, and if that is something that you're interested in doing, uh, give us a call. I'm happy to put you in touch with an organizer um, who, can, who can work with you and work with other people within your, your industry. Um, and in, for whatever reason, in Iowa, the retail industry, uh, especially, uh, well, I'll just say the retail industry in general is not organized, uh, and it never has, it hasn't been for, for some time, but that doesn't mean that it has to be that way. Um, like I said, the, you know, there are so many people, I have a really good friend who works for High V. um, and you know when I've uh, I, I have talked to him and so much through this deer strike, and he has the the more and more I talk to him, the more and more he is interested in, like, you know what what is a, this union stuff all about? Oh wait, you know uh, this can improve my life and and, and things like that. So, um, I I believe collective bargaining, workers coming together as a collective. Uh, to take on, you know, uh, inequities in the workplace, a safer workplace, better pay, better benefits. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, and, and you know, uh, things are a lot, would be a lot easier to organize if we could get some better legislation passed, but um, that doesn't mean that we can't get it done. So um, if you're interested in doing that, um, give me a holler. Uh, happy to talk to you. That answer your question, Jesse? Yeah, that answers my question. Uh, if I can say one one more quick thing, sure. Uh, I, I you know for me, you, uh, being union is is just is common sense to me. It's like you you wouldn't drive without car insurance. You shouldn't work <laughs> without being in a you know because that's your. Per- but I, when I'm talking to other people who are knee deep in the struggle and and the first thing they say to me is is well i don't want to lose my job i'm scared to organize because i've talked about organizing plenty of people before and that's really the common thing is i'm scared i'll get fired or you know this or that um what sorts of you know what sorts of protections are out there and 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 what what can we offer people that want to organize that's gonna you know protect them from losing their job Thanks for your thank, thank you for the call, Jesse. I'll let uh, Charlie. I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Let uh, let Charlie take a shot at that. Appreciate the uh, the call. Um, again, folks, if you want to join the conversation, 515-519-6323. Charlie, you want to respond to Jesse's last question there? Yeah, Jesse. So it is uh, it is illegal to fire someone for unionizing. Now that doesn't mean that the company is not going to try and find some other reason to try and and right. uh, and fire somebody. Um, but that's why there's a lot of work that goes into organizing ahead of time before it becomes public. And when you get a, a mass of workers, um, they can't fire you all, right? And and uh, strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. That combined with the fact that uh, workers are in short supply right now uh, for a whole lot of reason that there's a worker shortage. 
um, means that you are a more valuable commodity, if you want to look at workers as a commodity, <laughs> but you are more valuable to the company right now than you ever have been. Um, it's up to workers right now to take this on themselves. And um, again, uh, give us a holler. We're happy to help. Yeah. Um, the the uh, Again, just to wrap up our conversation about Starbucks, uh, you, you mentioned unfair labor practices, and I was looking into that, and I mean, some of these things, um, captive audience meetings, that, that, I, that, that's, that means they make you go to a meeting where they push you really hard to believe that unionizing is a bad idea, correct? Right. Okay. Right, right. Um, and they've also done one-on-one -on -one talks with workers saying, hey, you really don't want to support this effort to unionize? There's that. Heck, even going back to Amazon, they even, they even went as far as to talk to the local law enforcement to change the stoplights around the plant. Wait, 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 wait. They convinced local law enforcement? To, to change the... Stoplights? To change the stoplights so that you okay. couldn't hand out a flyer to somebody when they were... <laughs> oh, my right. God. No, I mean, this no, is the length wait, wait, the companies wait, so, will go to. So, so the law, it's, that's not a city council or city planning or city transportation staff decision? It, law enforcement can come in and... That's, that's crazy. Maybe I could be I could be in, I could be incorrect yeah. on that, but, but I believe but, that law enforcement. But some of these was, things are definitely in, part of that Some of these things are definitely so in I, violation I of labor law, right? Right, and you, you, you and, can't pull somebody out and have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with them and try to bust their head to believe and make them believe they can't support a union, right? Right, but 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 the problem is right now is that anything that a company does. Uh, is a slap on the wrist as far right. as you know what will happen to them. So it's just the cost of doing business. Right. Uh, folks, talking with Charlie Wishman today. He's the president of the Iowa Federation of Labor. If you want to join the conversation, you can text us at 515-519-6323. Again, that's 515-519-6323. And you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly sponsor Check out the Fallon Forum website or contact me directly. Also, we'd love to have new local businesses, uh, nonprofits, new local labor unions also become sponsors of this program. Uh, thanks to one of our local business partners, uh, psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, anywhere in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help you through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-paid basis. Contact DavidDrakeFamilyPsychiatry.com. Groovy Goods is your Des Moines one-stop hippie shop. Located near Drake University, we are more than just a store. Groovy Goods is about community. We're a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. You will be greeted by friendly staff, the smell of incense, the vibration of healing stones and crystals, the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries, and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products. At Groovy Goods, everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. 
All right, let's go back to our phone lines and welcome uh, Lisa from Des Moines to the conversation. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Ed. What's on your mind? Um, well, okay, so since I've been on hold waiting to get in, I have missed um, the last couple of minutes of what you and your guest have been talking about. Oh, you, mi you missed the I best part of the say, program. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, more go than ahead. likely. I'll go back and listen to it later, though, so I'll catch the whole thing. But it's been, up until now, up, up to the point where I could not hear anymore, it's been a really terrific conversation. Thank you. All the way around. Um, and I feel like we all have a variation of the same problem, but it isn't each other. We all work for a living. Um, so, you know, my perspective on all of this is, as I've watched, um, you know, a, a mega corporation like Walmart swallow up their competition, um, exploit their employees, there was a time when uh, Walmart had a line of clothing in their store from, I believe it was Kathy Lee Gifford. Um, and it turned out that those garments had been made in, in sweatshops, mm. you know, in the, in the East. And people were so upset about that that Kathy Gifford's career was, like, ruined for a while. She had to, like, she had to get out of the public eye in shame. So as I've watched all of this, this is something that I've thought, like, growing up, we were all brought up to think that we should make a profit. So as a worker, um, I go to work with the expectation that at the end of the day, it's not going to cost me more to go to work than what I'm going to earn. So when I was growing up, the unions were a way that we as workers could invest in ourselves. It was a ticket to upward mobility. And some of the some of the services, especially in Northwest Indiana, where I grew up, some of the things that that unions actually did for workers and for the organization was you started out as an apprentice and you made your way up to journeyman. It provided upward mobility. Uh, we were we were making wages that we could live on um, and prosper under. And I think that if I work all the days of my life for nothing more than the bowl of rice that just barely keeps me going, mm -hmm. I'm being robbed. Yeah. I expect to make a profit. Nowadays, we've gotten to the point where we pay for our own college education, yeah. whether it's a, um, uh, a, te a technical education or a book education, an academic education. We pay for all of that. We go into debt for all of that. So we have student loans to pay off. We have expenses to maintain. Um, and if you looked at it in terms of the machines that the, that the, the companies buy, those are capital expenditures. Hmm. So that's even treated on a balance sheet so much differently. Labor is an expense. Um, They're always trying to cut that. Lisa, let me... So let me that they, that they think of us as labor. They don't think of us as human. They treat their yeah. machines better than they treat their people. Lisa, you let me, let, Lisa, let me, uh, not have a service 
contract on it, but they have workers that they don't want to pay health insurance. Lisa, you make some great points. Let me let Charlie jump in on that. Yeah, well, so I think uh, one of the, you know, and I know that we're going to talk about most likely talk about the deer strike, but yes. one of the things that, you know, I, I went to picket lines all over this state and in, in, in Illinois as well. One thing I heard over and over and over is, yes, there were things in the contract that people were very upset about in the initial offer and in the second offer. But ultimately, I heard everywhere everywhere i went people were saying you know what throughout this throughout the entire pandemic deer called us essential but they treated us as expendable and i think that speaks exactly to what you're talking about but you're right this is this is a a, a working class struggle this isn't this isn't about union versus non-union this is this um we this this entire this entire movement right now this what i believe is a worker uprising going on, whether it's at Kellogg's in Battle Creek and in Omaha or what we just went through here uh, at John Deere um, with the stagehands uh, have gone through. I, I could go on and on. Kaiser Hospitals. There are, you know, um, you know, and, and, and this is a relay race. This is what the Teamsters went through uh, with mm -hmm. uh, in the in the 90s. This is what um, uh, Firestone and Titan Tire here in Des Moines. Um, you know, th these. this is a relay race, but uh, it's a working class struggle that, that never, ever ends. Lisa, thank you uh, so much for your phone call. I appreciate it. Those are really good points. Absolutely. And just one one last point real quick. Okay. Is, you know, a lot of us, whether we're on the left, right, independent, wherever we are, we see a company like Walmart that exploits its employees that exploits labor around we don't americans don't like sweatshops we don't like that right. we don't like to see explo exploitation wherever we are on the economic scale or political right. spectrum we don't like that i think it's very interesting though watching new york you guys talk a lot about new york and i kind of want to leave it there it's interesting to me new york is a union state you yeah. can't even go into new york and plug a power cable in without the union running it up a flagpole and and yep. getting a ten gun salute on it. We are a right to work state. Lisa, that, so I, I yeah. think that would be an interesting place. To and that that and that well. that should change. That's something I would hope the legislature would change. Um, Lisa, thank you uh, so much for your call. And again, I hope your point about sweatshops too. You know, if you don't support sweatshops, folks, don't shop at places that buy stuff from sweatshops. Simple enough. I agree. <laughs> hey, Charlie, like before, we go, before we go to another call, I want to I want to get a little more lowdown on the uh, John Deere strike. I mean, a lot of us were following that closely, and in the end, I think there was a sense that both the company and the union, the workers, were pleased with the results of the of the uh, of the uh, of what was signed. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first vote that happened was ninety to ten, right? I Against mean, the contract. Uh, yes, it was right. a ninety ten no vote. Uh, Deer knew that they screwed up really, <laughs> really badly, and they had to come back with something different because their initial proposal was peanuts uh, compared to uh, the the enormous profit. Yeah, and this is a company that's making made. a lot of money lately. Absolutely, yeah. uh, the, the initial offer was five percent, uh, and they ended up with a ten percent uh, by the end of this. Um, 
one of the things that was the most proud, I think, out of this, uh, the, that made me the most proud out of the whole whole thing, is that there was, uh, you know, uh, one of the main sticking points was that deer workers were standing up for the next generation, and there was a retirement system that that deer wanted to do away with for new hires, mm. for and. and these folks were out on strike for people who hadn't even been hired yet because they weren't they weren't going to pull up the ladder behind their brothers and sisters uh, you know, and that I, hadn't even been. You know, I'll say I, I, I'm very impressed with how that strike resolved. I was very active in the um, in the in the uh, strike years ago with the workers at Firestone against you know a company that had been bought up by a foreign corporation, and you know that did not that 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 contract did not end well for the workers. Right, you know, and it went and on for a year and a half. I, it went on for a long time. There were, there were suicides. There were divorces. There were foreclosures. I, I just met one person after I went to the picket line thirty times, and I met one person after another with a horrible story to share because that company, which was making a ton of money, was too greedy to sit down and work out a contract that was reasonable. Um, again, f- number to call five one five five one nine sixty three twenty three sixty three twenty three. Uh, let's uh, welcome, uh, hey, Joe, Joe Henry to the program. Hello, Joe. Joe's with the uh, League of the United Latin American Citizens. Uh, good to be on, Charlie. Thank you for everything that you do. Uh, I have a question uh, that uh, concerns us in the Latino community. Is there any effort to do a coordinated campaign to, to do organizing uh, within, you know, communities of color in those workplaces where we know that there are many minorities, especially uh, folks from the immigrant community, because clearly we know that uh, workers want to join a union for protection. But uh, have you had any success with getting unions to work with you to do that effort? That's my question. So, Joe, you know, um, earlier this year, you and I both, uh, and I really appreciated you uh, giving me a call about that, you know, and... uh, I'm not going to name the company because uh, I think it still might be going on. But um, you know, the, you're absolutely right that I'll, even more so than than a previous caller talked about, a lot of immigrant workers are afraid to come forward, um, and they're afraid to um, they're they're afraid to report wage theft. They're afraid to. I, I could go on and on. Um, uh, you know what? I, that's something that I'd love to to work with you on, um, and I think that there's been some changes and some some leadership in certain locals that I think are, are going to be helpful to to uh, uh, bringing some folks into the fold on that. And um, again, I, I think that might be a really good project for for you and I or the state fed and LULAC to to work on together. Let's let's talk. Thank you, Charlie. And I will call you because we have another 300 workers that want to join the union. So I'll be calling you. Excellent. I think I'm seeing you tomorrow, actually. (laughs) Happy to help facilitate that. (laughs) Joe, thank you so much for the call. Thank you. Again, folks, the number to call if you're listening to the live program, which airs every Monday at 4 on the 4 Central Time on the Fallon Forum Facebook page, is 515-519-6323. Don't call us text us. Um, before we, uh, I, I, want, I want to talk a little bit about something else here, but, um, but uh, let me take a short second here to thank one more of our sponsors. 
Uh, thank you to uh, Groovy Goods. That's Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. Learn more at groovy-goods.com. We're stopping at 23rd and University in Des Moines. And again, if you'd like to help sponsor this program, if you're a local business, a local union, a nonprofit doing good work, let me know. We could use your support. Okay, again, thanks for joining this conversation today, folks. Um, uh, is there anything more to say about uh, the deer strike, Charlie? I do want to ask you one, one unrelated question, but uh, just to wrap up our conversation about what we felt was a fairly successful uh, negotiation process with John Deere. Well, I think that there's clearly some members out there that think that, that it should have gone further. Um, it was a 60-40 vote was the final. Um, and, yeah. and it was also very disappointing to see uh, in, in some ways that even throughout the strike, Deer was making incredible profits still. Yeah. Um, and it'll always stick with me. I, I was up in Ankeny and there was a, uh, a young brother who said, look, we're, we'll go back to making this company billions. But we just want our fair share of the. Uh, of the why pie, is why right? is that not entirely reasonable? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, we think it is reasonable, yeah, and yeah. Um, that's why they they went out. They turned down two offers, and a time when a lot of manufacturing workers would have taken maybe even that second offer. Yeah. So, in the final little bit of time we have left, uh, Charlie, before we bring uh, uh, folks, we're going to bring Kathy Burns into the uh, program later to talk about stuff on our food and farm segment but um you know in, in terms of um people working together i mean i really appreciated all of our callers today especially our first caller jay who comes from the other side of the political aisle and saw common ground and and that was a very civil discussion and i see this let's go brandon stuff out there i mean and you're you're familiar with what i what, I, what i'm what i'm saying can't be translated to on an fcc regulated station but you know i i you know so people get on that bandwagon, and everybody knows what Let's Go Brandon stands for, right? Everybody knows. I can't say it. <laughs> the FCC won't let me. But the um, people know what it means. Donald Trump certainly knows what it means, and he has capitalized on it. He, he capitalizes on it with T-shirts, with uh, hats, and now, get this, with a doormat. You can donate 62 bucks to Donald Trump's campaign for president, that's the face that he's going to run again, and get a Let's Go Brandon doormat. I mean, how do you how do you ever restore civility in politics when we have somebody like that who takes it to a lower and lower level all the time? I think your first caller, Jay, did have it. He did say it best when there is a he, when he said there's a difference between conservatives and Republicans, and I think that unfortunately, what I see a lot, and even when I talk to Republicans in the legislature, in Iowa's legislature. There's kind of I kind of see two camps, uh, and unfortunately, one camp is much larger than the other camp. But there's <laughs> the the one camp that follows this guy like it's a cult. Dare I say? Well, you, <laughs> you said it, uh, but uh, almost like a cult following, yeah. and that you can't disagree with him whatsoever. Um, and you have another group of them that think that he was a fool and not a great president, but are too afraid of the other half of the party yeah. uh, to actually say anything. And see, I say, what is it going to yeah, take see, for see, you? See Liz Cheney for details, right? Right. <laughs> and I say, what is it going to take for you to, to speak out? 
well, we need more moderates. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know where it goes, but I sure as heck would never take down my American flag to put up a, a, a flag of any politician which is, which or is a, a F the other guy politician. Which is a total violation of flag protocol. You know? Well, I just think it's it's ugly <clears throat> on top of that, not well, to mention yeah. uh, little kids walking around the neighborhood seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So little kids walking around the neighborhood, coming to your door, trick-or-treat, and see the Let's Go Brandon doormat. What's Let's Go Brandon? Well, How, how, do you, how does somebody have that explained to the kid? Well, even beyond <laughs> the Let's Go Brandon, let's think about what the flags and doormats sure. and things, the merchandise said before that, right? Yeah, yeah I know. That's it's worse. That's the... That's, even worse. And it might give us some credit for subtleness. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but it's just it's just it's just so ugly. I cannot imagine any other presidential candidate or even politician getting away with this. And I don't understand why people tolerate it. I mean, Iowa, we, we kinda like to be known as we're nice, Iowa nice, right? And you know, I will say that when I was at the State House, there was a level of decorum. You know, this would this would be this would have been considered a violation of decorum in the days when I was a legislator. I don't I don't know where it stands now. I do know we had a member of Congress, a Republican member of Congress, who got up and said, "Let's go, Brandon," as part of his speech. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I think the the bar unfortunately has been set so low that you can step over it at this point. Um, I mean, it's in the ground, yeah. um, and it's going to take people of goodwill on on both sides. Yeah. Um, to, to restore some civility here. Um, well, Charlie, I really appreciate you joining me, folks. Uh, our in-studio guest today, Charlie Wishman. He's the uh, president of the Iowa Federation of Labor. Charlie, thank you so much for being on our program today. Thank you, and congratulations on your new format. <laughs> thank you. Hey, when we come back, Kathy Burns with Birds and Bees Urban Farm is going to join us, and the title of our segment might surprise you. Get ready, get sent, get set, plant. Yep. First week of December, think about planting. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Klipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet. And he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of architecture by synthesis. You can learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766.
Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here, folks. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Charlie Wishman about a variety of uh, labor victories and struggles going on right now. Remember, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website or contact me at ed at fallonforum.com. Thanks to our local business partners, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, our anchor sponsor, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. You can order groceries online, and Gateway also offers catering and floral services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Well, it's time to bring Kathy Burns into the program. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, and uh, what a what a weirdly beautiful day we had today. Well, the whole week is supposed to be weirdly and actually disturbingly beautiful. I mean, this is the warm and fuzzy side of climate change, isn't it? Right, right. 64 degrees, December 1st, Des Moines, Iowa. That doesn't happen often. Well, we're raking leaves, we're composting garden beds, we're doing other winterization activities, and what else are we doing, Ed? <laughs> um, getting ready to make a whole other batch of compost. A little bit late for that, but you know, it's possible, so we're going to do it. Well, we're also getting ready to plant, and, oh, yeah. and that's why we're calling today's segment Get Ready, Get Set, Plant. Isn't that clever? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Okay. Yeah, new, new seedlings <laughs> for next year. All right, yeah. So what do you mean by get ready? Um, well, there, you know, you don't just get to your planting area, have everything set up, and voila. There are a few steps to do ahead of time. Um, you you really should be taking garden notes. If you're not doing it... You mean all year round. All year round. Yeah, yeah. Jot a few notes down uh, from this year about what you planted, where you planted it, which beds they were in, um, how everything worked out, and that way you can get ready for the following year and the following year and the following year. So you want to... Um, you want to make sure that you can rotate crops. You yeah. want to make sure you can amend soil as needed. That's an important reason, too. Uh, rotation, especially if you've got a small area to work with, rotation is so important. Mm -hmm. so. And we have a, we have, well, we have a large enough area, but we really have way more garden beds than most people have in an area like ours. Mo we, we have way more garden beds than sane people tend to have. So. <laughs> well, well, and we have this problem. We have this addiction to food. We eat and then like three hours later, we want to do it again. It's like crazy. It's like something's wrong with us. Well, I, either I got a tapeworm or we've just got really crazy appetites, I guess. I just love food. <laughs> uh, something, okay. else, something else that uh, you need to do to get ready right. is um, check your seed supply. At Birds and Bees Urban Farm, we save a lot of seeds, but we don't use all of our own saved seed. There are some seeds we just can't save, haven't saved yet. Um, so do you have enough or do you need to order? Um, yeah. yeah, and some seeds are really easy to save. I mean, one pot of okra goes a long way, but yeah. If you are going to buy seeds, Kathy, wouldn't you say it's important to do it early? Because there's been, the problem in the last couple of years has been seed supplies have been running out. Right, right. They've been running out. People go on, you know, early spring and some of the major suppliers are saying they're out of certain seeds. So get your orders in. Yeah, there's a reason soon. the seed catalogs tend to come 
late December, early January, because that's really when people need to be thinking about ordering. So. That and they're pretty to look at in the dark of winter. Okay. So that's get ready. What's well, get set? one more thing to get okay. ready. You one need there. to you need to dedicate a dark space in your environment. Like a to, closet? Like a closet, <laughs> or in our case, a basement that we don't uh, have lights on in, and we don't need lights on right. in on a regular basis, because once you do get your little baby seedlings going, they once they germinate, they need to be in the light during the day and in the dark during the night, just like us. Okay, ready, set. Okay, get set. Um, <laughs> set your space up. Ah, Do you literally. have your tables? Do you have your lights? And we don't use specific grow lights. We have one really nice one. You know, I once, I once spent 90 bucks on a real grow light, and then I spent like less than 20 bucks on a whole bunch of shop lamps. They work just as well. The shop lamps are working great. <laughs> what people, people and, and you need to make sure that, that you set it up so that you can lower, start out low with those lights and raise them as your seedlings grow. So get a little chain system with some hooks that you can raise those lights as your seedlings grow. Um, check your um, starter, or your seed starter mix. Do you have it? Um, stores may still have it in stock if you don't have it, but we always start planting really early like now <laughs> and if we don't have any some of the stores they they may be out or they may have they may not have put it out yet so check that check your potting soil um, for when you transplant but the the most important is that starter mix yeah and sometimes you, I guess you can make your own starter mix I've never had great success with that mm-hmm. but yeah vermiculite perlite moss uh, peat moss I think uh, what else goes into that I can't remember now <laughs> well. we have we should make a more serious attempt to do it yes also check your uh, supply of starter cells and trays the little containers that you use to plant all your little seedlings if you've been saving them from year to year great Um, maybe you can still get some at some garden supply place that has them in the back room they're going to throw them out um we we try not to pay for anything or maybe you can use egg cartons you could oh we did use egg cartons that worked really well actually it worked well you do need to water them more frequently because they they're permeable to and then you when you're done with raising that particular plant you plan on throwing it out or well throwing it out composting it yes they're not much good after one use right (laughs) right yeah well or you can just plant the whole Egg the whole carton, little pod. You know, that, that little particular cell of the egg carton in the mm-hmm. soil. So. Well, then start to calculate when you're going to start your seedlings. So um, think about the date you're going to plant them outside. And, uh, you know, different plants have different needs. The brassicas, the cabbages, etc. They go in early and tomatoes go in late. But we actually planted our seeds around the same time because we wanted our tomatoes really nice and big by the mm-hmm. time we put them outside later. Yeah. So start with when you want to put them outside and backtrack with how many weeks you want to grow them as seedlings and look at the seed packet. How long does it take them to germinate? And actually get to seedling stage I, and then do your math. I would say it makes sense to start plants two weeks earlier than you think you want to, just in case you have a crop failure. Oh, we have, we've had yes. that happen before. We did. We had yeah, a... It happened to our cereal peppers one mm-hmm. year. We've had it happen to onions. And then we still had time yeah. to get a second. We used a different set of seeds. We saved seeds back a few years so that we can, don't have to rely on just one set of seeds in case one of them fails. Yeah. We don't want to leave eating to chance. <laughs> no, of course not. Are we set? If we got ready. Ready, we set? We got set. We're going to plant. <laughs> what are we going to plant? Well, uh, at, at here at our um, Birds and Bees Urban Farm, we do teach workshops um, to help people learn to, you know, it's really hands-on. 
but um, we can give you just a quick rundown now. Um, make sure you've got your starter mix nice and moist. Um, we recommend planting two or three seeds in each cell, depending on what kind it is. Well, if it's celery, just plant a million seeds in oh, each cell, right? Oh, they're so tiny. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you separate one celery seed from yeah, another? Just sprinkle very so lightly. Because you're going to thin them out a little bit. That way, if one seed fails, you, you don't have total germination, 100% germination, yeah. and then you're covered. Right. Um, you will be covering those little plantings with some plastic and keeping them in to keep the moisture in and keeping them in a dark place until they germinate and then you'll be checking them every every few days check the seed packet to see when it says they'll germinate but keep checking and once they sprout they gotta go under lights huh yeah yeah and that's the other advantage to having lights that uh, you can move up and down pretty easily we use mm -hmm. chains but because uh, you want it as close to the plant as possible Yes, yeah. and that, the reason is the plant wants to go to the light. If you have that light way up high, you'll get a long, skinny, leggy plant, kind of like I looked when I was 12. <laughs> you, were, you weren't getting enough light when you were a kid? <laughs> Obviously. And, um, well, you've done you, well. You, thank you. You want a nice, sturdy, sturdy stem, and uh, you don't want those leggy plants. Um, then you'll just be watering them enough to maintain the moisture, um, and you might want to make sure, you know, that you will have in place the larger pots yeah. for when you're ready to... So when does planting begin? Um, we plant... Well, we're planting artichokes this week. Well, yeah. And I, we're I, a little I, we, late. We planted them a little earlier than this even. We did. We did. And then, People say that. They, 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 they think we're planting them outside. No, yeah. they're, be, they're indoors, under grow lights. And the reason is... They're biennial. Yeah. You gotta yeah. trick them. We, we we fool them. We plant them and then we, when they're a nice size, uh, what eight ten inches or something, we take them upstairs to a cold room and we put them through winter. I yeah, never bring them forty back. to close the uh, heating duct, open a window, keep it forty to fifty degrees in there, and yeah, there we go. Yep. Hey, uh, thanks, Kathy, for joining us today, and thanks to our in studio guest Charlie Wishman with the Iowa Federation of Labor. Uh, thanks to our callers today and to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks to our nonprofit partners as well, Bold Iowa and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Thanks to you for tuning in, folks. We'll be back next week with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.